Today on Reparations in Action. Oil and natural gas, the two greatest polluters on the planet, are the two most lucrative commodities of colonial capitalism. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now! Uhuru! You are listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, The White Lies Shattered series. My name is Jamie Simpson, and I am the host of Reparations in Action, which broadcasts weekly on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. And this week, we are discussing the fact that colonialism caused climate change. Reparations in Action is a program of white solidarity with Black Power. Currently, we are in a podcast series exposing the insidious lies we learn as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our podcast weekly. So let's get started with this discussion. We are joined by the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, and the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. Penny, what do we mean when we're talking about colonialism caused climate change? Well, this is a profound question. And actually, we have, as you remember, we did a a session on this for our podcast in November, and we went into this. Chairman O'Malley Chatella wrote about it much more in depth for his political report to the plenary, the African People's Socialist Party that was held in February of this year. And it is really the burning question, literally, of, of our time, of, of the world. And it is, it is about the question of colonialism and its relationship to this climate change. So, the reason that that we're talking about this today is that recently, for the first time ever, the International Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC of the United Nations, which is actually a group of, of hundreds of climate scientists from around the world under the auspices of the UN, it mentioned the word colonialism in their latest report, which came out, as I said earlier this month. It actually, I searched it, it actually mentioned the word colonialism, I think, in a couple of footnotes. But this has been a question that has been completely absent in any of their very dire reports that, that they have put out in the last period. And the, the fact is that the climate crisis will only be solved when indigenous people and colonized peoples govern and control their lands, their cultures, their resources. Once again, there was no problem with the environment until white people, the colonizers, left left Europe to assault Africa, to begin genocide, beginning turning human beings into commodities for sale, pushing the entire African civilization away from the coast into land, you know, with sharks, whole schools of sharks following the ships that were kidnapping African people into the Western hemisphere and the 
the massive uh, genocide of the indigenous people. This is this is what started this what the chairman calls the colonial mode of production. That is what produces wealth and prosperity for for white people who are the colonizers. And we have to really look at this. But but to say that that the climate change began in 1750 with the advent of the industrial revolution is, you know, it leaves out the whole reality of just this wiping out of, of civilizations of hundreds of millions of people prior to that in the process of creating wealth and power for Europe and the white world. So, you know, the indigenous movements are, are raising this fact as an important, uh, important milestone that the question of colonialism is being raised. And it is something that indigenous people have raised repeatedly, um, increasingly also in the last few years. And that, uh, you know, that this has been something that has ra been raised at the COP26 last year in Glasgow, Scotland, and, and is raised by indigenous people the world over now, today. So from the Uhura Solidarity Movement and the African People's Solidarity Committee, we just wrote a statement, a, a position paper about this that uses the chairman, Chairman Omalia Shetela's understandings of colonialism as a mode of production and, and the reality that climate change began when the first European left Europe from Portugal in 1415 and set foot on Africa to steal its resources, to steal its human beings, and to colonize its lands. So this is our position paper. The climate crisis is a struggle against colonialism. Reparations now. Uhuru Solidarity Movement responds to the United Nations IPCC report on climate change, April 2022. For the first time, the United States panel on climate change acknowledged that, quote, colonialism is a driver of climate crisis. In its latest report, issued April 4th, 2022, the IPCC has been forced by the resistance of African indigenous peoples worldwide to recognize that colonialism, the system of domination, occupation, genocide, and plunder by a foreign and alien state power over the nations of people is related to the climate crisis faced by the world today. In fact, as Chairman O'Malley Shetela has shown, colonial capitalism and climate change are one and the same. For more than half a century, Chairman O'Malley Shetela, leader of the African People's Socialist Party, has scientifically proven that the condition facing oppressed peoples is the political and economic reality of colonialism, of which racism is only a symptom, actually the ideological underpinning of the political and economic system of colonialism. Chairman Shetela laid out the narrative of African, indigenous, and oppressed peoples inside the U.S. and around the world 
using the concept of colonialism as the mode of production, meaning that the driver of the entire world capitalist economy is colonialism, delivering all goods, services, and a high standard of living to the colonizers, meaning white people, at the expense of the poverty and suffering of the rest of humanity and the earth itself. Chairman Ishitella wrote, quote, this colonial assault on the climate resulted in the extermination of an estimated 90% of the indigenous population of the Americas from an estimated 60.5 million people in 1496 to only 6 million by the year 1600. The climate crisis being experienced and discussed by frantic colonial academics and environmentalists today is a crisis that began with the intrusion of the white man, the colonizers that created the colonial mode of production that is now pushing into the lives of the colonizer with greater intensity. The chairman further explains, the colonial mode of production is responsible for a climate crisis that is serious beyond most belief. All climate conferences, so-called climate agreements, and imperialist demonstrations are meaningless manifestations of white opportunist idealism. Imperialism caused the climate crisis from its very inception with the assault on Africa and the kidnapping of African people beginning in the 1400s. Oil and natural gas, the two greatest polluters on the planet, are the two most lucrative commodities of colonial capitalism. The interests of oil and gas are one with the U.S. state with the largest, most deadly military on earth and the colonial interests of the entire U.S. political and economic system. These commodities are the basis for U.S. wars throughout the Middle East and conquest in Africa, the U.S. and Asia. Oil and gas are tied to the white colonial prosperity and way of life. Continuing with the chairman's statement, clearly the real issue is colonial capitalism, not the climate. European imperialism created and maintains the situation in one long trajectory that began when the first white person got off the boat in Africa and captured an African person, forced her into a ship to steal her, her genius, her labor, and her land and resources. While white climate scientists fear, quote, loss of habitat for human beings, the fact is, as we have pointed out, the chairman says, the habitats of African and indigenous peoples have long been destroyed by Europe's colonial assaults on our people for 600 years in the process of creating the habitat and the production and reproduction of life for white people. Nothing will, will change the climate crisis short of total destruction of the colonial mode of production. Only the organized African working class in the form of the African People's Socialist Party can do that. Only colonized people can do that. I'm inserting my own emphasis here. Understanding that the climate crisis is caused by the colonial mode of production requires us to recognize that there is a colonizer and a colonized. We, white people, as the colonizers, 
benefiting from centuries of ongoing theft, pillage, enslavement, and murder of African, indigenous, and colonized peoples must be organized under the leadership of the African working class, struggling for national liberation and self-determination. The struggle against the climate crisis is a struggle against colonialism. The struggle is being led by the colonized themselves. Our responsibility as colonizers is to work under their leadership and build material solidarity with the movement of the African working class and oppressed peoples of the world to reclaim power over their lives, land, and resources. As Chairman Omalia Shetela has made clear, this is the only way the climate crisis will be overturned. Colonialism must go. The African People's Socialist Party is leading the worldwide anti-colonial struggle of African workers for power and self-government. The party is negating the colonial mode of production through self-determining programs of dual power, such as the Black Power Blueprint, Black Star Industries, and the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project. Reparations must be paid to African and oppressed people around the world. Colonized peoples, once liberated, will lead and are leading and healing the earth and the end of climate change. White people must join in solidarity with the fight for the return of their stolen land, resources, and self-determination. Join the Uhuru Solidarity Movement at uhurusolidarity.org. Uhuru Solidarity Movement is the organization of white people under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party working for reparations to African people, unquote. So that is the position put out by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the African People's Solidarity Committee last week on this question of colonialism and climate change. And, you know, when we really look at it, it seems so white-centered and undialectical and just plain wrong to see white people upset about the climate catastrophe, but never mentioning that this process started when Europe left Europe and began to assault Africa, the indigenous people, Asian people, Arab people, which is the basis for colonial capitalism, you know, as we're saying. So, you know, I just... I just want to open it up for discussion. And uh, I think that's a powerful statement. So let's fight for this understanding of what it means that African people, African workers organize in, and in unity with indigenous peoples, Arab peoples and oppressed peoples around the world are the ones that are going to determine what is climate change based on their liberation, their anti-colonial struggles, and their, their implementation of real self-government and control over the resources, over how they can live, how the world can live in true socialism in, that with no one oppressing or living at the expense of anybody else. Agreed. Agreed, Chairman Penny. I just totally unite with this analysis and with the understanding put forward by Chairman Amalia Shetela and the African People's Socialist Party, it's the only thing that makes sense. And that this struggle has to be and is being led by the colonized, by the African working class in unity with the oppressed and colonized peoples of the world, including the indigenous people. And the, the reason, as you stated, that the UN was forced to admit 
in the footnotes of their, you know, whatever it was, that 3,000 page report uh, that colonialism was related to the climate crisis uh, is because of the struggles and resistance that African and indigenous people have been making forever uh, to, to put this question in the center. And there was an article in The Guardian last November after the COP26 conference uh, took place, which cited the fact that at least 1,005 environmental and land rights defenders, and, and you know this is mostly indigenous people, have been murdered since the Paris Accords were signed six years ago, according to an international nonprofit called Global Witness. This is saying one out of three of those killed were indigenous people. One of those included Berta Caceres, the winner of the prestigious Goldman Prize for Environmental Defenders, who was shot dead at her home in Honduras in March 2016 for opposing the construction of an internationally financed dam on a river considered sacred by her Lenca people. And I would also add that the government that was the Honduran neo-colonial reactionary government that assassinated Berta Caceres was installed through a U.S.-backed coup during the Obama administration and was backed and that, that was orchestrated by Hillary Clinton when she was the Secretary of State. So the blood of Berta Caceres is certainly on, on the hands of Hillary Clinton as well as on the entire U.S. and colonial capitalist system. And uh, the article goes on to say, as the names of the murdered defenders were projected on a large outdoor screen, indigenous activists from Mexico, Guatemala, Ecuador, and the Philippines implored political leaders to listen to their struggles. And this is what Ita Mendoza, an indigenous land defender from the Mixteca region of Oaxaca in Southern Mexico said, she said, quote, the cop is a big business, a continuation of colonialism, where people come not to listen to us, but to make money from our land and natural resources. What benefits does the cop bring when more than a thousand people fighting to keep the planet alive have been killed since Paris? So this really makes it clear what Chairman Amali, you should tell us, said that it is, of course, completely undialectical and white nationalist to separate the colonial question and the struggle against colonialism from the climate crisis, that the struggle has to be led by the colonized, led by the organized African working class whose interests are the same as the indigenous working class and, and the oppressed and colonized peoples of the world. Yes. And, you know, I know that the white left and, and various different uh, groups and even programs talk about this, this murder of indigenous activists as, uh, as, as an attack on the freedom of speech to be a journalist. But in fact, if we understand uh, colonialism as capitalism, colonialism as the climate change, then we can understand that struggle against it is anti-colonial struggle. And so therefore, this murders of these activists is counterinsurgency against a struggle that ultimately leads to the liberation of indigenous people. Right. And that it has to be seen as that, not through the lens of white people who are seeing it as, you know, as a question of democracy, which in, in colonized people don't even experience. And that it's also, you know, important to understand the significance 
of the African People's Socialist Party, which is about organizing and does organize the African working class that stands in fierce unity with the liberation of indigenous and all oppressed and colonized people on the planet Earth. That, that is part of its strategy since day one. Right. And that this is an organization that is very, very serious about ending the colonial mode of production and all of its uh, implications and, you know, just the things that it has caused to, for the lives of colonized people for the last 600 years, but to, to create true socialism, a true world in which African people can be free, can have their culture, can um, have the return of the vast genius that they can, that, that was stolen from them as part of the theft of resources and human beings. So this is what it's going to take, not the call, the begging uh, uh, to, to the uh, ruling class of the most vicious system that has ever existed on the face of the earth, the most violent, the one with nuclear bombs and drones and armies everywhere. They're, they're not going to listen to the voices of the oppressed. What it's going to take is struggle to overturn this system. And I think that, you know, that's an important point because in the majority of anything that you hear, especially from the white people involved in the climate struggle, never even mention the state and the role of the colonial state in this. So this is another discussion. We're going to be talking about it soon, uh, next Wednesday, April 27th, at, at an event where we can go into all these questions deeper. But I, I think that, you know, that this is a, a very, very important question and one that we want to continue to take on and delve into all the aspects of it. Uhuru, Chairwoman Penny, I really appreciate this discussion and the analysis of Chairman Amalia Chattel that you're putting out here, that this is that colonialism is a mode of production, that it was born as genocide, it was born as environmental destruction. And I think that these different UN bodies that come out and mention colonialism as a footnote uh, are, are making this suggestion, this implication that somehow colonialism is uh, a policy that can be reformed. Mm -hmm. and, and I hear that same sentiment expressed in the white left organizations that you're mentioning that get so irate that you mentioned, Chair Jesse, um, that get so upset about, uh, you know, the lack of freedom of speech and, and also are implying that somehow this system is going to be able to reform itself. So true. <laughs> really, exactly. It just gives so much clarity. You know, this whole concept, like you're saying, of colonialism as the mode of production gives us a lot of clarity about what what caused it and and all the problems faced in the world today and what is the solution. Agreed. And what we have to do. And that's, yes. you know, uh, I think this has been a great discussion. And as you mentioned, Chairwoman Penny, we're going to be Diving deeper into this, uh, I wanted to just kind of uh, repeat the the information about that, that the African People's Solidarity Committee and Uhuru Solidarity Movement will be hosting an event entitled The Climate Crisis is a Struggle Against Colonialism, and that will be held on Wednesday, April 27th at 6 p.m. Central. You can watch uh, on Uhuru Solidarity Movement's Facebook and YouTube channels or register on Zoom 
The information for that is available at tinyurl.com slash climate reparations. And could you repeat the date and time? That will be Wednesday, April 27th at 6 p.m. Central. Great. Well, Chairwoman Penny Hess and Uhuru Solidarity Movement Chair Jesse Neville, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, discussion on the question of colonialism and climate change. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to this episode of Reparations in Action. We'll see you next time. Uhuru. Uhuru. You're listening to Reparations in Action. This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to the African People's Socialist Party's Chairman Omali Yeshitela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>